0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject I have coming up for you, his name is Dan White and he is the fella at the centre of Western Australian outfit Blue Child Collective. The reason for the conversation is to promote Blue Child Collective's brand new album. It's just been released. It's called Wake Up to the Sound. So let's have a listen to what Dan has to say. Here we go minutes man appreciate it no that's that's all right mate no worries what's what's happening tonight are you, are you out celebrating this wonderful album of yours are you oh no nah, actually um i was just uh i was uh,
1: out to dinner with some friends and it just went a little bit longer than i was uh, expecting so i appreciate yeah just the extra 10 minutes to wrap up
0: no that's fine mate that's fine yeah so you, but, uh, yeah i'm all yours no, you've you've released this album and i And I think Lee uh, was the fella that sent across that. I I host another website or I moderate another website these days, the A-List Online, and you made my top 25. Oh, was that
1: you? Nice.
0: Yeah, that's me. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) me. thank you. No, that's all right. So I hope you read the comments and had a bit of a laugh because I remembered from our last conversation you got a pretty keen sense of humour. So I thought you might have found it pretty funny what I wrote there.
1: Oh, I didn't actually see the comment. Sorry, or um, that at the bottom of the page?
0: So let me read it out to you. That's cool. Let me read it out to you. It's um, So here I go. So bear with me. If I offend you or anybody else want to read this out, bear with me, but I don't think I will. Here we go. When someone says that a band's music has a children-laid-back vibe, its mind's instinct to grasp oh. them... And then,
1: yes, I yeah, saw that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <You> know, <laughs> yep, that's great. But my view is, mate, when you make music as engaging as yours and you're as proficient as a musician as you clearly are, you can call it whatever you want, okay? And I know you haven't called it children laid back, but you know those lazy slang terms, those cliches that people throw around about music? And yeah, totally. I, and I thought if anybody was going to do it on the music that I've really enjoyed this year, it might have been to you, God. Help them. Uh, you know, it's because I think I think it's just a lazy way of describing really good music because there's so much going on with your stuff. But
1: uh, yeah, it's a blanket term.
0: <laughs> it is, it is. But look, as I said, man, if if you if anybody wants to call your music that or what have you, mate, whatever, man, it doesn't change the fact that it is fantastic Australian music and it's really emblematic of the sort of music that I think has been released this year. That oh, thanks, man. High quality music that. Mean, this is the problem, isn't it, that I don't think a lot of people are gonna to get to have the chance to listen to because of the way bloody radio is skewed and the proliferation of uh media outlets online, blogs and yeah. social they're media. They will in
1: time though. I just have to play the game properly.
0: <laughs> well,
1: Cleverly. So they're, they're just you know, we're all navigating the same waters and um yeah, I can't just claim that I'm a roots musician and should all listen to me or play the um play the, the poor me card. I don't know, like just keep writing. Uh, good music and recording it and releasing it and um, yeah, I think in time, people, a lot of people, are going to hear this record.
0: How um, how close are you to making playing music a career? Do you think?
1: Oh, I already do. I've been doing it full time for five years.
0: There we go. Okay, I couldn't remember if I asked you that the oh, last okay. time. But so, you, but your it's primarily built off touring, isn't it, and playing live with with your what yeah,
1: mostly playing gigs at the moment, and um, I'm definitely looking to. To move that, uh, I guess, active income towards more passive income, which will allow me more time to uh, to play the gigs that that really matter, and to to put that um, additional those additional resources, time and money, into the creation of more music.
0: Yeah, gotcha. So you got a plan. It sounds like you got a good plan.
1: Oh, for sure. You got to. <laughs> like any business, you know, you got to look to the future and then make a plan and structure and stick to it, and you know, mm.
0: keep modifying it and all that well i think the beauty of what you're doing is whether you've got a band around you or whether you're just doing it by yourself with your guitar you can still do what you're doing
1: oh yeah absolutely it's just the way in which you do it that changes over time based on how you approach it
0: yeah indeed it does indeed it does mate so with this album here mate what's the feedback been like by people that have had a chance to hear it
1: it's been really positive hey actually i haven't heard anything bad about it so far um it's been yeah really uh, really encouraging um it's been getting plenty of, plenty of airplay um actually all the the singles off it so far have um, received triple j airplay which has been Seriously? encouraging as Great. well
0: Yeah it's fantastic yeah. yeah okay Yeah it's
1: good so it's getting out there um I think um yeah we just got to keep uh keep pushing out all the other content you know the support material not only playing gigs but um been rolling out you know like a story of the making of and and all that kind of stuff like short short video clips to uh to support and give more depth to the album because uh, you know as a listener i love to hear that stuff about you know from from all the the artists that i love i love to hear all that stuff it it just gives more i guess more of an experience of the song itself or the album itself when Mm. you re-listen to it
0: yeah no i i totally agree it's that it's that fourth dimension and it's for fans of music like yours it's very visceral music and fans like to wrap their head around a lot more than just what's presented within the music don't they they like to turn up to the shows and interact with you via the content that you've got out there so um the i remember you released the video that uh, when you record the album in corsica i think it was and yeah that's right are you going to be doing something similar with this uh, for this release here wake up to the sound
1: yeah so we actually have a um a short documentary uh it's about fifteen minutes long coming out the week before the tour uh, mm. at the start of january um which goes into a great more detail about the concept of the album wake like up to the sound uh, and um I guess to do exactly that give more depth to the uh to the concept and to the the ideas uh, the making of the album but mm. uh, yeah more more what it what it means and what it's about you know because i'm really I'm still in love with the album format in that you can present a concept or a theme to the audience. And yeah. then each song is a, a different look at that same thing.
0: Okay. And, and what about the musicians and the personnel this time around? Did you retain some of the core musicians that helped you, uh, on the previous album that was Sat and saw the seaside?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, my partner, MJ, um, sang on a bunch of the songs again, yeah. um, uh, had more of a, a backing role on a lot of the songs, but featured on a couple of the songs again. And uh, um, a long-time sax player who's actually not with us anymore; he's focusing on his own blues project. But uh, Lindsey Baker uh, recorded all the sax on the, okay. the album. He's been with me for the last three record, uh, yeah, three records
0: now. What about the arrangements then? With with the sax solo, for example. So I'm in a band, as you might recall when we spoke last time. I tend yeah. to. When I'm, when I'm writing my own stuff, which really happens these days, I'm just so bloody busy, but I tend to just say, look, what I'd like here is a sax solo rather than a guitar solo or whatever it might be. But do, do you say that? Do you give those types of instructions to the musicians and you just trust that they're going to deliver or are you a bit, you a bit more specific?
1: Uh, yeah, well, it depends. Hey, In terms of like solo sections, I, I do like to assign certain um, sections of songs where I think it will fit for a uh, specific instrument to play a lead role yeah. and uh, and the relationship that I've had with Lindsay over the last few years um, has taught me that he is very much a feel player and so like for example all the the horn lines that I that I wrote and uh, and arranged um, we took time getting through but then I would give him specific sections of songs just to like do his thing and mm. you know do a couple of takes and just feel it out and and express himself on, in that in that moment you know. Yes. But um at the same time I do like to kind of uh, I guess guide that uh, that moment of freedom you yeah. know that that, that expression um, with um, painting a picture. So for example um, with uh, I think it's track six, um, the roof of the world. Yeah. Um, that was. That features a really nice keys part um from Ken Allard, And for me the the purpose of that intro was to paint a picture of the Himalayas, that, that time and place okay. of uh yep. of the Tibetan refugees walking across the Himalayas back to home land and, and so we uh, we spent maybe five minutes just talking about that beforehand while he was sitting at the keys and then and then let him do his thing, you know, which is really nice, I yeah. think. It's a nice way to approach it. So you're still kind of directing in that sense, but uh, allowing freedom from the musician, which is great. I think that's really important. It's nice to be able to set down structures and then do that to a T, but it's nice just to let the creative chaos flow
0: as well. (laughs) Yes, indeed, yeah. Have you ever had a situation... I'm going to say conflict, I'm not talking about physical conflict here, but just sort of disagreements within the recording process where you have issued those sort of instructions as you've just outlined. You don't feel that you've got the response that really fits the song?
1: Uh, over the years, um, it depends what the dynamic is like. I mean, mm. um, because I arrange all this stuff and and, um, and then I guess it, gets, it develops, Further with the producer and the other musicians in the studio, but at the end of the day I'm paying for everything yes. I do have the final call so in that dynamic there's less uh, as opposed to a band who's you know, splitting everything and everyone's writing oh, and it's terrible when that, happens. In that sense. Yeah. oh well, there's just more politics you know where yeah. this is really clean and it's really easy everyone, Yeah, but at the same time like I'm not a tyrant man so like it's I really want to make sure that uh, all the musicians uh, feel free to have their say and mm-hmm. because I just I'm not kidding myself I'm like I'm not the best musician in the world I don't know everything there's like every single musician in the world is going to know something that I don't know so um, it can only add to the project sure. so um, yep. I guess there has been input um over the years that like I haven't agreed with and I felt maybe hasn't like has, has felt uh, whoever's put it forward has felt that that's really the thing but end of the day like yeah they can apply that to their own project if their desire and um, yes. I, I just have to follow my feeling you know because it's for the whatever's for the best of the song not just me.
0: Yep yep you're, you're working to service a song wherever wherever the, yeah. uh, wherever the inspiration comes from aren't you and oftentimes uh, do you get this thing when you're writing a song too you just start with an idea and it evolves and you really don't have an end state in mind. It's just one of those things where when you're writing, the song evolves and takes a natural course, and once it's finished and you listen back to it, you think, God, I wonder where that came from.
1: <laughs> it's funny, yeah. We call yeah. it overcooking a song, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is easy to do. You know, you go down that rabbit hole that is the recording studio and come oh, out yeah. the other side, um, having gone maybe just a little bit too deep and maybe losing the essence of that song, you know, the magic that um would actually just in the first take.
0: It <laughs> often is, isn't it though? And it's, it's often yeah, the most simplistic yeah. thing where it's got enough space because I, I tend to find, as far as I'm concerned, art, art, artistry and creativity is much better when you, you're not thinking. It's better off when you're sort of in a semi sort of dream state and God help me for saying this, but it's yeah. almost why so many artists from the Beatles to Pink Floyd to some wonderful artists that are around these days take alternative substances to get them elsewhere and uh try to yeah, get sure. the thinking away. them
1: access that space of mind hey?
0: Yeah, and it does work, you know that because god, look at the wonderful music that's been created whilst people have been under the influence of LSD and other mm. substances. There's there's no question, I don't think that uh that's the case, but this um I like this album cover here too, mate. It it seems like it's really it, it's one of those album covers that really represents the music that's contained on the album. So, what can you tell me about this the album cover?
1: Cool. Well, yeah, we thought it was um yeah, that was a, a brainstorm between MJ and myself. She's the mastermind behind all the, the artwork. We um, mm. we drafted all together, and then she comes out with magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt, <laughs> no yeah. doubt about that. Well, was, yeah, we were just looking for something to. It was actually the second album cover. We had a yeah, cover I was going to ask you six months ago. Yeah, and uh, we at kind of like in the last stages of the release um, changed it because we came up with this new idea which actually just represented the concept of the album a lot better. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that there's a lot more uh, the universe is made of sound and frequencies energy yep. vibrating, um, which we call sound. We talk about this in the, the documentary, the art of town. Yep. And, uh, and basically like the, uh, the uh, this idea that there's a lot more out there than we directly perceive. So relating that to sound, we can hear between 20 and 20,000 hertz, like with our ears audibly. Sure. But it's proven, you know, we have microwaves, radio waves, x rays, all these things that we can use other instruments to interpret and reproduce uh, sonically for us to hear with our ears, but they still exist, you know? So applying that concept to life in general, it's, I guess, understanding that there's more. Out there than we directly perceive, and, and to keep an open mind about all that stuff. Then to take it a step further, if the the universe is sound is uh, made of, uh, I guess matter vibrating, um, then my my belief is that we can mould it and shape it with our thoughts and our words and our actions, which are yes. also just some um, it's another sound impacting or affecting matter. You know, so I, I came up with this idea um, if if you do that, you—I would call you a soundscaper. You know, it's called soundscaping. So yeah. creating your world, you know, uh, based on your thoughts and your, your words and your action. And so the album cover, I think, became quite a good representation of that because it was like the sound wave going through the head. You know, the hands on on uh, the—I don't know if you can see them very well—but um, the headphones. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's I can. To kind yeah. of indicate. Yeah, cool. Um, just to kind of indicate that like it it starts in like it starts here you know in your mm-hmm. head and then um, and then that same sound wave ran through all of the different pieces of artwork throughout the album you know to kind of it becomes a subtext you know for each uh, for the content of each of the uh, the pieces of art. I don't know, you can look into it pretty deep if you want to have a bit of a flick through.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, mate. I don't think I've ever had anybody and well over I think I'm up to three hundred and fifty interviews at this point and I've asked this question a lot. Oh but nice. I don't think I've ever had anybody articulate an album cover the way that you just have in relation to the music <laughs> and what you were set out to achieve. So that's <laughs> did that's I overthink it? <laughs> Not at all, man. No, it's great, man. It's it's uh it just it really suits it. I really liked your last I, I, I Go onto your Bandcamp page occasionally and just stare at the album covers because I do like them. Oh, I like what you've oh, done. I'm mate.
1: a big advocate for, I guess, like giving uh, another element of experience to music with with vision. You know, mm. that's why we're so big on artwork and why we're so big on film, especially because you just give depth to something that's already great. You know, and I think we're visual human beings. Like you, you experience the world first and foremost. Like, yeah, we have five senses, but it's with your eyes, hey? Hmm. So as an artist, that's pretty challenging, (laughs)
0: like as a musician. (laughs) You said something else really interesting too, talking about the universe being made up of numbers or words to the effect. I think I was listening to Joe Rogan or another podcast I listened Mm. to today. He had a guest on. Awesome. And he made the comment that we know so little about what makes up, so the matter of the universe, what actually makes it up. If he was going to put an estimate on it, of it, this learned professional or individual said that we only know about 5% of what's what goes on out there in terms of what makes everything up. And so I think there's a lot that's intangible out there. And you talk about creating – I think you said – I don't want to misquote you here, but you talked about creating your uh, – well, thinking, really intently thinking, and therefore using that – using using oh man sorry i'm going to stuff it up because i don't want to misquote you but what you said was really profound because i do believe that if you focus on what you are thinking and how you're thinking you can control your life and therefore you can create the life you want and that's my point sorry i'm making it pretty clumsily but that's where i'm headed with it all but you said it very well
1: no i'm on page 100 percent man that's that's exactly it and the more intensely you focus that or those words that's why singing is so powerful you know
0: Mm. because
1: it's it's like supercharged word (laughs) Um,
0: there's more
1: energy behind it and more intention so that's that's why I sing about good stuff you know and and like positive observations of the world and and I I don't yeah I I look at a lot of um, musicians actually who sing about heartbreak and and, you know a party lifestyle all the time and that's exactly what they live and Mm. it's funny because a lot of people can't see that like you are It's like you are what you eat, right? Or you are what you think and speak and Hmm. and say and sing as well, you know?
0: A lot of people get stuck, though. So they've had shitty childhoods, potentially, or they've had their heart broken too many times, or they're in a financial position they can't get out of, or they hate their jobs and they're locked into it because the kids have got to go to a certain private school. Oh,
1: yeah. Plenty of hurdles.
0: Yeah, and there's all this stuff, but you're a bloke who's actually doing it. You're leading, you're in, you're an intent, you're creating with intent, and you're leading the life that you want to lead. And I think you've figured out the hack, which is to just think and feel the things that you want to have happen. And totally. Really and focus the more
1: hurdles there it. are, the more fire there is in your belly, man. Hmm. There's no excuse. Like As soon as you realize that, either you live the life that you want to or you don't.
0: Most people aren't, unfortunately, and I think mean, that's what I really appreciate about your music—is what you've just said. It's the—you um, could call it a positive message, but it's the message that you put out there. You've got these—yeah, of these... course—open to interpretation, always. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. They're not songs about heartbreak and fuck the world and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, we get yeah. that the world's a difficult place, and it always has been, and there's disease and famine and inequality. We get all of that, and I've, I've spoken to a number of artists about this, and. Of all people, not necessarily that's him, but I just didn't expect to have a profound conversation with DJ Jazzy Jeff. Now you're probably of my vintage, so you remember him and um, Will Smith back in the day, and when they had their TV oh. show. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so he he provided some insight in that you know these these days there's so much pressure on musicians to adopt and present a political message, if you like. So we spoke about that, but he actually said that it's his view to give people a it's his opportunity and his his job to give people a break from all of that stuff. To give them an opportunity to go away from it because Twitter's a bloody sewer. You post a comment on Facebook that's you know, there's so many things on Facebook. I mean I've I've barely updated my Facebook page to be honest with you, because I just don't like going on there. Um but it's almost impossible to get away from it, particularly if you're in a band, because you need and, and have uh, an outlet media outlet like what I do, because you need to interact with people via Facebook oh, yeah. and via Twitter. You One of our greatest tools. It. Yeah, yeah. It's it's this it's a double edged sword, isn't it though? It's truly a double edged sword. Oh, I don't know.
1: I think um if you're attracting uh, yeah, if you're attracting some kind of scrutiny, then you, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> oh, good
0: because, on you. Yeah. yeah okay. you, yep. Oh, I
1: don't know. Like if you, I I've spent a lot of my life trying to keep everyone happy, but, um, I realized that one day that actually, um, you're not going to be able to keep everyone happy and just got to do what you do mm. and, um, and pay more attention to, to like, if it's, if it feels good within yourself or if it feels right within yourself. And, um, and if it does, then then you do it, and um, that's always going to change. Uh, you know, Ever shifting goalposts. But um, if you, yeah, if you're not pissing someone off, you, you're not being bold enough. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, lead it's a bold true, man. Yeah, yeah, lead a bold distance. sucks. You know, you know, I, a bit scary for the, um, for the, yeah, more chilled of us. But uh,
0: <laughs> oh, I yeah. think you've got to that's do it. it you got you got to stand within your own truth, haven't you? No matter yeah, who you man, are. That's what it is. Yeah, you just, you just. And the thing it.
1: is that it's not everyone's truth, you know? So obviously, it's going to grate on some people's nerves. But, um, I mean, you've got to be true to yourself, eh?
0: You do indeed. And uh, talk about standing on your own two feet, mate. You're, you're, the picture I'm looking at here of you, you're riding a bike under bloody water. So I don't know how you <laughs> did that. Tell us the story behind that because you've got your guitar strapped to you and everything.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> so. Um, the guy who took that is Russell Ord, he's a world renowned surf photographer who lives down the road. Absolute legend. And uh yeah, I was um I just called him up one day and asked if we could do a photo shoot. I always wanted to do a underwater photo shoot at the time and and um he said yes yeah, so we does like obviously he's a surf photographer so that's his game, that's why I called him up. And uh yeah, we went down to you know where they have the the Margaret River Pro, the surf cop mm. each year, the yeah. point there. Across the way is uh a break called Box, and there's some nice lagoons there. We went down there, and uh, he brought his son's bike along. Um, I don't know what he got in return. <laughs> it turned out better than the guitar, anyway. The guitar was shot by the end of the day, whereas um, I think the bike got a nice rinse off. But um, yeah, yeah, whacked on a, a weight belt, and um, yeah, took a deep breath, and we did a bunch of different different takes, and it uh, came out pretty good. Oh, wait, He's wait. Um, a magical photographer, so uh, it wasn't that hard. I just had to yeah, give a good crack at riding a bike underwater.
0: How was that? I mean, I know you got the weight belts on, but you got the waves and the current and the like pushing you to and fro no doubt uh, as well.
1: Pretty nice. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it as like a, a good
0: form of transport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> More of a gimmick, but yeah, you know, good fun. Yeah, good
0: stuff. Good stuff. Now, tell me, how was the. Uh, I think you did two shows with Xavier Rudd, is that correct?
1: Oh, we did one. Yeah, we did the West show a couple of weeks ago with Davia, That was awesome, man. Um, I think I put something up on social media the other day about how, you know, that feeling when you meet someone that you've looked up to for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was exactly it. You know, like I grew up listening to, to his music, so it's pretty surreal to, to have a good conversation. We had a fire out the back. Um, he's got a really nice pre-show ritual. And nice. uh, yeah, he's um, a really nice bloke. I, uh, I, yeah, I was very, very lucky to, to play that show. We played it as a duo, my partner and myself, MJ. Nice. I um, would have loved to have played with a full band, but that's how it goes for opening up sometimes, mm. <laughs> not up to us. But, uh, yeah, so, so thankful to play that, that gig, man. That's opened a lot of doors for us, hey?
0: I bet. I bet. And his, his fans were obviously very open to what you were doing.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's the perfect crowd for us, really. Like mm. We've had some big gigs in the past, but uh, in terms of playing to our audience, you know, our people, our tribe, uh, that's the yeah gig of my life so far, that's for sure.
0: You've got, I think it's about 11 or 12 shows coming up, and thankfully you're coming over here, mate. So I think I've got two opportunities to see you. One of them is at uh, and yeah, the other one's are, Yeah, Solbar. Yeah, Solbar, which is awesome, by the way. You'll love it there if you get to play there. And um, also night quarter on the Gold Coast because I, I live between the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast. I've got two places. And um, uh,
1: yeah, I have to pull you up there. Sorry, um, I don't know if Lee passed it on, but um, actually, unfortunately. Uh we The Night Quarter show just got cancelled. We got superseded by an overseas act, so um, oh, we lost that one. gig, unfortunately. Who was that? Yeah,
0: so I'm just, who who right? was the act that superseded you or replaced oh, you?
1: Oh, that's some DJ. I can't tell you. Sorry, man. Jeez, yeah. Because I was going to hit him up and see if we could support, but it's not the right gig.
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll definitely try and make the Soul Bar gig then, if that's the case, which is on Friday 18th of January. Because I was going to say, yes. if you were playing um, Night Quarter, um, I'd bring the kids down with me, actually. But obviously I can't oh, bring the right. kids into uh, Soul Bar. That's a shame, mate, actually. You'd go down superbly there.
1: Uh I don't know though, because uh we're doing the, the playhouse um so it's like a sit down show. Um which I think is actually suitable for kids. You you want to check that. But, um, Where's that? At? Where's but, yeah. the playhouse? So it's Soul Bar, but they have uh they have a separate room um with, oh, yeah. where it's all seated. Sorry, yeah.
0: yeah, I know the one you're talking about there, yeah. Yeah. Oh you must be going on as a like a matinee performance or afternoon performance or, or early evening, is it?
1: Uh, no, it's evening. It's, uh, yeah, it's
0: a nighttime performance, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mate, the uh, Ocean Street, which is where Soul Bar is, that gets so busy. Um, it's pumping, eh? Yeah, we've oh, done it a
1: few times over the last few years.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, mate, it's so busy. I've got a mate who runs um, Sneaky Baron, which is about four doors up from there, and he was talking to me last Saturday night, and uh, I just came in for a few few cocktails, and and it was pretty busy, it was about sort of 11 o'clock by the time it got to midnight, mate, we basically couldn't move and he had to act as security because he doesn't uh, have a security detail working the door because there's no dickheads around, you know, people are just sort of there to have fun, get loose and do what they need to do but yeah, mate, it was was so busy on there, just with the summer months now here um, people are ready to cut loose and have a good time
1: Mm, It's good timing, that's why we're going on tour.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man well, it's a perfect environment for it with the sun up there and the Waves and everything else, mate. Tickets, I suppose we just contact. For people are listening you'd want to, who might be on the Sunshine Coast, I suppose they just contact Soul Bar if they want to know how to get tickets, or they just go there on the night.
1: Yep. No, it's through the website. Um, definitely good to get tickets beforehand because it's limited seating. Uh, yeah. There's a, another great band from the Sunny Coast Band of Frequencies who are also playing, and uh, mm-hmm. local singer Alicia Todd with her band.
0: Okay, there you go. All right, well... I'll do what I can to make it, man. I'd love to see you live because I reckon it would go off. I love uh, watching the videos online and everything else, but nothing beats watching an excellent artist perform live, no doubt about that.
1: Oh, it's a different experience, hey, and I love to to listen to a a band and then rock up at their live gig and be blown away. It's always a nice treat.
0: Mm. Cool, mate. Look, I'll wrap things up. Just for people listening who want to get in touch with you via social platforms, can you tell them how they can do that and also how they can listen to Wake Up To The Sound?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you can listen to the new album online anywhere. It's on all the, all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, etc. cetera, et cetera. Um, You can download it from Bandcamp or from our website, bluechildcollective.com, uh, where you can also get all of the tickets for the shows uh, around the country next month.
0: Very organized. Get yeah, to Yeah, we better it. make it easy. <laughs> done a good job. But uh, yeah, if you want
1: to get in touch, um, you can get us through Facebook, Instagram, or, um, or there's an email. Page on our website as well. We're pretty good at getting back to people because we like to hear from you.
0: Sweet, there you go. Thanks, mate. That's it. What I'll do from here is, if you're happy with- you have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that conversation featured Blue Child Collective's main man, Dan White. Thanks so much for listening.